All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Boom Bang. That's right. You got me, Macho. You have the great and powerful, more handsome than ever could you could imagine could even fucking exist in this world. The great Alexander Hawk. How you doing over, Alexander? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You're doing fine. Trying to, trying to be, be more handsome than you is, is, is a full-time job. Well, you know, I appreciate that. You're a good man for saying so. And I agree. I agree. Um, are you going or coming from a film? What film are you working on right now? Well, right now, I'm uh, doing... Uh, Bikers versus Werewolves, another Mahal Empire project down in uh, sunny Las Vegas. Uh, going to be shooting there. I'm playing Deputy Wilson, uh, one of two deputies that will yeah. be uh, be backup for the one and only Jake Busey as the sheriff. Jake Busey's a good man. Billy Coyne has a good Jake Busey story uh, where they got him at uh, Rock and Shock, they, they they stuck him with a bill. We'll get Billy on one of these days to talk about it. Jake Busey, uh, what's that I hear? I hear future Boombasticast guest. Yes, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, very yeah. good, very good. Yeah, working on that, working on that. I met Gary Busey. I've met Gary before. Did I ever tell you that? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I also met uh, Gary at a convention also. It's cooler when I meet him, though. Well, of course. Because, Gary, I said, "Hey, Gary," and that was, I was. You're supposed to say, "Mr. Busey." He was in a weird mood that day, but I still love him. Uh, but yeah, both of those folks are good folks for shizzle for sure. So uh, yeah, as we go, you know, if you read the headline of this episode, of course you should know that we have the great Susan Lanier with us. Um, this evening, and that's really it. You might know her from things like The Hills Have Eyes, Wes Craven's second feature-length film that is a complete masterpiece in psychological horror, you know. Uh, you might know, you might have seen some, you know, television shows like, I don't know, maybe you've seen like Happy Days or something like that, I don't know, maybe. Oh, welcome back, Carter. Welcome back, Carter, or something like that, you know. Maybe you want to hear a story about how she was almost the Chrissy Snow that you guys know on Three's Company. You know what I mean? She did her time with that. Uh, Janice DeWitt doing it big with her. Um, Rest in peace, Donna Summers. She just passed away, what, not even, what, two months ago? Oh, I I think it was a little a longer ago, but yeah, I mean, not too long ago uh, last year, yeah, she passed. During the shooting of The Wicked Hollows, I believe she passed, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, we, a few people passed during the shooting. It was very unfortunate. We call that the demaggot curse. <laughs> the demaggot curse is when you make a film and people from your childhood that you love leave the earth. They shed their coil and depart from us. Um, that's the demaggot, unfortunate event. But we got a great guest with us and a great episode for you all out there today. Alexander Hawk, what do you got to say about our guest before we pop on in? Uh, just that um, uh, she's a, a great person. I loved, uh, I mean, 
I mean, Hills Have Eyes, we've already talked about, but I mean, you also look at, uh, you know, Three's Company. Uh, she also uh, she was a radio singer in Johnny Dangerously. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, she was in No Solicitors. Uh, she was in Days of Our Lives for like two episodes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I That's mean, she's, she's been all over the place. And, and she also uh, sings. And uh, she did a music video, which she directed. Which was called uh, uh, "Watch What You Ask For," which is really good. Uh, she's in there with uh, uh, Michael Berryman. Uh, definitely uh, go to YouTube, check it out, and uh, a great music video, a lot of fun. And uh, I just can't wait to talk to her and find out more about it. I just wanted to bring it up real quick. We talk about it in the episode a little bit, but I definitely want people to go peep Delaney or Bramlett. Um, if you Google whatever names that sound like that, it'll pop up. Musician extraordinaire, um, done a whole bunch of really great music. You know, I know that we only talk about it for a little bit in this segment, and but I do encourage people to go out there and kind of listen to her music as well as uh, Delaney's music because it's really both on both accounts. It's really good stuff. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So um, for all our music heads out there, so I know we do have some per- certain folks out there that get down with music heavy, maybe not Alexander the Hawk, but there's people out there that get down heavily with music, music, if you will, um, which, you know, we're going to get into some stuff, the music and the acting and photography, teaching, you know what I mean? There's so many cool things and we've talked about it on the show before. It's like creatives are creative, you know what I mean? It's kind of foolish to put them in a box and say well you're a creative you can only be creative with music or you can only be creative with film you know um sometimes you know that might be the case but a lot of the times i think creative i think film music poetry art whatever it may be it's all comes from the same creative outlet or same creative light if you will but it's just the outlets in different places you know like well um, you know, this they they lean more towards this thing or something like that. Uh, deep within their their brain will stem, you know what I mean, if you will. But yeah, it's a beautiful thing, you know. And uh, we've had we get a lot of folks who've been on the Boombastic cast, and you know, one of the biggest things that we've ever got for advice at all, you know, have hobbies. Hobbies are very important, and yeah. uh, creative things are very important, you know. And yeah, I mean, creatives have to create, whether it's you know. Acting, painting, uh, writing. I mean, the thing is that um, a creative has to keep on, you know, creating stuff. And what, and uh, just, uh, and I, I don't think we found anyone that's only had one outlet. I think, I think everyone we've had on the show has had many different out- outlets for their creative. They might not, yeah, they might not be known for every outlet, but they definitely practice multiple. Oh. For sure. It's like a, a power strip with the yeah. outlets, you know what I mean? But that's just because there's so much good energy that needs to go out. You need the power strip, baby, you know what I mean? Um, but that's how it is. You know, therapeutic, man. Being creative is therapeutic, you know what I mean? I'm not going to go and say that it's going to stop depression, but it could help you out. You know, you're feeling down in the dumpsters. You're like complete fucking gabagio. And you fuck, you're like, I'm going to get emotional. And what you do is you go and create something from nothing. And then you go, you know what? 
I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better because there was nothing here. All all that was here was horridness, unfortunate sadness. But you know what? I made this cool thing that now that's here too. And maybe it'll stifle out some of the bad stuff. You know what I mean? But one thing that is not bad is our interview that we're about to lay down with the great, the wonderful, the beautiful, the super multi-talented Susan Lanier. Hey, how you doing? It's good to be here. It's an honor to have you. You know, we're we're very thankful to have you on the show. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, having a big storm outside, so I'm here, safe and safe inside, doing an interview with you guys. So it's kind of cool. (laughs) We appreciate it. If the wall starts to shake and you can then start to see the outdoors, feel free to leave the show. It's not important (laughs) as your life is. Just go, 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 run, run, run. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you know. I, we usually like to start this off at the beginning, like I said before. So it, it, the acting thing, I know you did some theater um, in, in high school, I assume, out in Dallas, Texas, before heading out to the the City of Dreams. Yeah. Yeah, lots of theater. I, I, um, I got stung by the bug when I was 13, and so I was... I, I did a show when I was 13 years old and I got the bug and I've never looked back and I've been doing it ever since. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Alex did a little theater, but he, Alex is, I'm more, I do like the writing than directing and Alex does a lot of acting and producing. And uh, that's our combination when it comes together. I know my, my friend over here, Alex did a lot of theater back in his day. That's more of yeah, it. I mean, I mean, I actually wish I, I, I could do a lot more theater, but with my schedule, film is a lot easier. I mean, I love both, uh, but my, I just love acting. So whether it's in front of a camera or in front of a live audience, doesn't make a big difference to me, honestly, as long as I'm acting. <laughs> that's what I like. Exactly. Exactly. You have the bug, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't seem to get rid of the bug. That's why I'm still here. <laughs> so, also, no, I think when you're doing theater, it's also important where you live and that you live in a community or close enough to the community that you can go to rehearsal every night. And there's there's, uh, you know, a live actual theaters, whether they're union or non-union, you know, um, that are doing productions, you know. So if you're near a theater town, you're at a big advantage. Yeah, uh, where I'm at in like Andover, Mass, it's I mean, there's a bunch of different small community theaters, you know, nearby. And I actually, when I got out of college, that was the first thing I started doing. Um, I have to admit that you know my theater classes was the, you know, community theater programs. And that's where, you know, I, I learned uh, and, and, uh, and you know, honed my craft until I started doing more theater, uh, well, more film and more, you know, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everything is getting um, more condensed because of the Zoom and the accessibility to uh, everybody being able to work together in different cities. Um, during COVID, um, I worked with the actor studio doing scenes on Zoom in New York and I was in LA. Um, 
And I was actually the only L.A. actor working with the actor studio in New York. And we were all doing scenes via Zoom. And it was wonderful. It was it was very exciting. And you got just as nervous and had to do just as hard a work as if as if we were really acting on a live stage at the actor studio. So it's cool. Yeah, Zoom really earned its wings during the pandemic for sure. It was like one day they're going to make a movie about Zoom. You know how they have like the social network with like the Facebook movie. David Fincher will do the Zoom movie one day about how Zoom was just a small little thing. And then COVID happened. And then biggest thing in the world that was like needed to communicate with people. It's amazing. Yeah. Very I cool. love it. As you know, you know, if you don't feel like getting out, or I, I live um, outside of Los Angeles near um, the Santa Monica Mountains and Topanga Canyon, and you don't always feel like driving to see somebody, but you can get on the Zoom, and I can have my glass of wine, and they can have theirs, and you know, we can sit and have dinner and chat, and it's I don't know, it's kind of cool. I'd rather meet in person, but yeah, you know, second best. And you're still doing that because I know you're teaching now. Right. Yeah, actually, during during COVID, this yeah. this wonderful little actress named Jennifer Quellen uh, called me from San Francisco, and she had heard about me through her aunt. And she called and she said, "Would you, during COVID, by any chance, give me acting classes um, on Zoom?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I'll try that." I I had taught for years in Los Angeles in the eighties and the nineties, and then I quit to do music, and I was married and you know, whatever. So I said, sure, let me, let me do that. Uh, uh, we'll try it one-on-one. And in about two months, and she was progressing like crazy. And in two months I said, you know, would you want more people in? And this other guy had asked me about it. And she said, yeah, that would be fun to have somebody to work scenes with. So before you know it, I had 10 or 11 students <laughs> teaching on Zoom and I'm still doing it. And I have students in San Antonio, Kansas City, New York City, uh, Las Vegas, uh, uh, L.A., San Francisco, everywhere. So it's it's great. If anybody's interested, DM me and um, I can give you more information about that. But it's it's film technique. It's just television and film technique. And not a lot of people, a lot of people teach acting, not a lot of people feel teach actual film technique hmm. and it's different it's very I different a, yeah. i have a question um a lot uh, i know it's a lot now because of zoom and all of that that uh a lot of auditions are now just online i was wondering your feeling on i mean personally i i think it's great to a point where you can you know be anywhere and then send in your stuff but I kind of miss the actually, you know, coming in and like the one-on-one and all that. How do you feel about that transition of the auditioning process? Well, um, that's a great question, by the way. And it's a double-edged sword. Uh, I always loved meeting with the people in the room. There was a, there's an energy and there, and you feel a chemistry and you can feel right away if they like you, they don't like you. A lot of times you can feel it. And, and I've been cast before by just going into the audition, did the audition, the chemistry was there. A pilot I can think of called Over and Out I did with Michelle Lee and Ken Berry. And, um, uh, they cast me right there. 
You know, it was like the chemistry was so good that they cast me right there. Had I been on a, a Zoom, um, we couldn't have felt that as much. Um, so I do miss it. However, the upside is on these self tapes that we do and send in, we have, they can see more people for the different roles. They have more time because they, even if they look at you for 20 seconds, now you've spent two days working on it and they'll go, uh, nope, she's too old. She's too young. She's too fat. She's too thin. She's too this. She's too that. And, and, and they, they got, they can see a lot of people that way. Um, the other thing is that you can bring into them your very best take that you can possibly do so that if you're in the room, often you're nervous, you get sweat, you know, with, you know, you're and all your competitions out in the other side of the room and they can hear you sometimes and you can hear them. And so being at home in your own quiet space and being able to just get into character and to give them your very best shot, I think, works to your advantage, you know, um, because you're not going to make a mistake and you're going to be more relaxed and be able to get into the the character rather than, oh, my God, they're watching me and they're not looking at me or trying to read the room. And, you know, though you're not supposed to do that, you it's human nature, you know, yeah. can't help but do that. Uh, commercials are still uh, a lot in the room. So we do have to travel to do commercial auditions. Uh, but for TV and film, it's all self-tape. Now, if actors think they're at a disadvantage about that, I have a couple of director, producer friends, very successful, and I won't say who they are, but they did, a, my one friend did a huge pitch last week with his writing partner. and. The pitches are all on Zoom, too. And the networks, like Netflix, that might invest millions of dollars in this project, the whole thing is on Zoom. There are no in-person meetings in Hollywood right this minute for most things. And, And people are still coming down with COVID and different things, and, you know, not as much. So people feel safer. And they're getting used to this brand new world of being able to talk to people this way. Um, so I, I, I rather, I just try to look at the good part of it because I don't make the rules and, you know, I just have to go with the flow of what the business dictates. It is always going to change. It's always going to evolve. And after Zoom, there'll be something else that is bigger. I don't know what the AI things. I don't know. You know, yeah. and God before, knows what will be next. Yeah. Before we know it, everything's going to be AI generated. That that that's that's one thing that kind of uh, kind of uh, makes me feel a little worried about where things are going. Yeah, yeah, I'm, me too. But um, I, I'm kind of glad I'm the age I am because you know when it gets out of control, you know, I, I might be out of here. I don't know. Uh, I I think that for younger people it's going to be really a significant I don't know something 
I'm an old hippie and I went to New York and, you know, I'm, I'm an artist and I like organic and real. And, um, uh, I don't like, uh, everything to be so, you know, uh, superficial. And so, you know, that's the beauty of live theater is that, you know, you can't AI live theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's something about I mean, going with theater, which I mean, one of the things that I miss and I know that a lot of people love about doing theater is the instant reaction to, you know, if if you do a, a funny line and it works, you find out right there. And, you know, when you're doing film, you just hope that, you know, they pick the best take because in the end, a lot of times you're at the mercy of the editor, whoever decides, you know, uh, which, which take is the best. And sometimes they don't always pick your best take. They sure don't. (laughs) No, they sure don't. And and you are, I, but I, I love film work uh, uh, from the standpoint that you, you know, you go, you get into character, you learn your lines, you do your job. And then you go home, you know, um, uh, you might be on the set for a week, month, whatever your shoot is, but, um, you're done with it. Theater's much more time consuming. And I don't know. I, I prefer theater too. I mean, I love both of them. I don't know what I'm saying. You said you did you go did, when you left Dallas, did you go to New York or did you go to California? You went to New York. Mm-hmm. I never. I, I had no desire to be a TV or a film actor. Yeah. Um, that didn't, it didn't seem like a, a possibility for some girl growing up in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas. And, um, and I was, I loved musical theater and I loved to sing and I loved to dance. And I had, I was pretty good at all three of them. You know, I, I, I don't know in which order, but I had studied all three of them, particularly dance. And so when I went to New York to do musical theater or to do any kind of theater, and I was very young. I was 17 when I got there. I went back to Dallas for my parents had a fit. I went back to Dallas for a short stint, then back to New York. And I, I was, I knew exactly what I wanted to do at 17 years old. I, I mean, at 13, but. I went to New York to act at, right out of high school. Yeah. I know the first big thing you got was Happy Days. In L.A. Yeah. But in New York, yeah. uh, I don't talk about that film career too much because it wasn't very significant. But there was a whole slew of of these underground independent films. And I'm not talking about porn. Yeah. I'm talk- I'm talking about uh, I Am Curious Yellow, uh, Putney Swope, Robert Downey, uh, Robert Downey uh, Senior, uh, Senior yeah. uh, produced that. And um, I don't know if I made it into, I was in that. And I don't know if I made it on the, in the film or not. I was so young. I was just a baby. And I don't know that I would recognize myself. But there were all these movies to do that were... Mm. Really, you know, um, black and white and, you know, uh, 
dark or not dark, but you know, not not a lot of comedies that I got to audition for at that point. Well, Punny Swope was a comedy, but yeah. dark comedy. But um, it, it it was a very like very underground films. Very underground. And it was a very exciting time. It was such an exciting time. Yeah. So that was the late 60s, early 70s. And it was just, oh, my God. You know, I I could go on and on and on with stories that that were crazy. I was in a theater company called Nowhere East Theater. And that was in the East Village. And uh, it, we had some wonderful actors in that. And it was great. Yeah, I, I'm always interested with those, like, uh, the underground films. So, like I said, me and Hawk do the films, and it's like our films are, like, underground, under-underground type films, you know what <laughs> I mean? Um, so, like, it's a all, shovel to find us. And every, every, you know, every era has, you know, has them. Like, it's funny we tell people, it's like, you know, well, if people ever look back and they say, well, what was the independent Boston film scene like in 2010 to 2020? Uh, they they would see our names, which is nice, you know what I mean. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. there's all. So there's all. You know, I'm always very interested in like the, the the underground films for sure, for sure. But I still like them. You know, oh. I still like doing obscure things that maybe nobody will even see. You know, yeah. I don't. I it's fun. You can you. It's a much more relaxed um, environment atmosphere for the actors you can play and 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 improvise and and bring your own thing to it and there's not a network screaming down your neck and I've worked with plenty of networks uh you know all of them actually and and uh it's a different it's a different atmosphere you know you can really be creative and not worry about all the rules yeah you can really take chances I mean unfortunately with uh you know the networks and the uh, big production companies—they're all looking about you know, you know, trying to get the biggest market. You know, not upset anybody and all that, and not take any chances. I mean, that's why, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of uh, reboots, uh, sequels, and all that because I mean they like playing it safe. But when when you're doing the underground, the whole point is to do something different to make make uh, an impact to you know t- say something that you know the big guys aren't saying which i mean that's what we try to do i think that's fabulous you know and you never know when you're going to get one that hits you know or you get a big hit and then you know you're quentin tarantino <laughs> that's craven you know yeah yeah i dig it for sure um so like it must, it must have been a great film. You know, you wrote some of the big, you know, happy days, like I just brought up. Welcome back, Carter. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you're alongside John Travolta doing a big, you know, how was that? For an experience? You must have been to finally break in like that, you know, when you're on television too, which is like in the, all the, in all the, the houses across, you know, America. It's a beautiful thing. Like it's. Yeah, it was fun. It was fabulous. Um, my first show in Hollywood was Happy Days. 
And uh, I got cast because the second day I got here, I called my high school acting partner, William S. Bigley, who was one of the writers and producers on the show. I said, hey, Bill, it's Susie. I'm in Hollywood. And and how's it going? And he said, you want to come to Paramount for lunch tomorrow? And I went, yeah. And so he took me. I went to Paramount and I was going, oh, my God, it's Paramount, you know, and um he took me to the commissary and we had lunch and then he took me onto the set and Henry Winkler came up and, um, you know, I was cute, cute little young thing then skinny. <laughs> and, um, and Henry came up and he said, Whoa, Whoa, make her my girlfriend or something. And they wrote me in that week and it wasn't a huge part, but it was enough to get my feet wet on the set. Most of my scenes were with, um, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, well, with all of them, actually, but not with Henry as much. But it ended up that Henry asked me out, and he was my first date in L.A. We went out twice and ended up really good friends. I saw him recently, and it, it, they did a Happy Days reunion convention here in Hollywood. And it was he is the nicest guy in, in L.A., I have to just say, all the people I've ever met. Through all the years, Henry Winkler is the nicest man in this town. And um, so we had a, so that was wonderful. And then my second job was Barnaby Jones. And that was before I started doing a whole lot of sitcoms. And the Barnaby Jones um, is where I, I learned, I had to learn very fast because it was a drama. I had to learn very fast film technique. Um, um, I was already, I'd done a lot of dinner theater doing comedy. So I had my comedy chops pretty tight when I did Happy Days. Mm. But my drama chops, I mean, this was serious acting with people like Pat Hingle and Buddy Ebsen. And uh, Pat Hingle could tell that I was theater trained and he said, um, I had to get out of a car, slam the door, run up to Buddy Ebsen and hit my mark. Yeah. And, you know, they they had a little tape down there, but I kept going over the mark. And Pat Hingle said, and he had won like all kinds of acting awards. So, you know, I mean, he was in Splendor in the Grass and stuff, you know, and he, he said, um, um, come to my trailer. I want to talk to you. And I thought, uh-oh, he's yeah. so yeah, he was so nice. And he said, you have to ask for a sandbag and then your toes hit the sandbag and then you don't look down, you know, and just tricks. And he taught me so much that week. I had a whole week of work with him and he taught me so much. He was such a veteran and we became, we lasted, we were friends till he died too. And so he was just the greatest and he really helped me, you know, because I could act, but I didn't know there's so many little technical things I think that people just aren't aware of when it's film acting, as opposed to just working on stage. It's so, you know, it's so, so much smaller and detailed. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you don't really think you bring in television acting into it as well. And it's just like the three of those are just so different. The technique of, of performing them, you know? Yeah. They're all three different. I mean, sitcom is different than, you know, episodic. Episodic is different than a real film. Uh, You know, there's just a slight, there's slight differences, but I think it's good to, to, to take a class and learn the differences of, of what those are. Yeah. 
we've talked on the show before about like you know sometimes you see like a theater actor and like a, a screen actor clash a little bit of like which one's better so to speak and it's like with the fit with with film and television it's kind of like it's interesting that 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 art form is kind of forever on celluloid or forever like on a dvd somewhere where in like theater acting it's all in like the person's the, the audience's like mind you know how good the performance was it's like an in, interesting uh you know how it, it's it's a little more special almost you know you, you're sending this small group of people off with the same like experience you know what i mean yeah I'm, I, I like the fact that, um, you know, people can videotape theater now. It's not the same as yeah. being in the room and watching it, but at least it's captured in some way so that if you can't go to the show, you can see it later or something. I mean, I don't know how many are doing that, but I think a lot of them, I think there's a, actually a, a site where you can, pay money and watch real theater on Broadway. Maybe I'm not sure which one it is. I know there's a movie out right now or about to come out that it's, it's pretty much theater. It's all shit. It's a film that you watch, but the whole thing is it's like a camera set up and they just run through the whole thing. And it's just, you know, it's like you were there, but not quite. Um, do you know which one it is? I don't know. I should, I should, I seen a trailer for it. It's very interesting, you know, it was, you know, I'm surprised they haven't really done it yet. You know what I mean? I'm surprised they haven't done more of it as well. Yeah. I'm I, I think it will happen. I think that people are real comfortable in their homes now. And, and, um, I don't think that's such a great thing, but, you know, I don't know. I, uh, it's, it's, it just, the, the, Broadway has not reconstructed hmm. these old, old theater home houses. Not, not many of them. A circle in the square is roomy. You don't feel like you're going to sit on the other person's lap, but some of the older Broadway shows, I saw Hades town, um, a few couple of years ago before, right before COVID and people were smaller back then <laughs> when they built the theaters, just, a human being, I'm not even talking about being overweight. I'm talking about human beings were tinier then. Yeah. And the seats are so little. And and I'm a, not a tall person. I'm pretty short. And my knee was banging into the the seat in front of me. And I went, how does somebody tall actually sit here for two hours or two and a half hours and watch a production? You know, it's very uncomfortable. And uh, and until they come up with something else, and then if and then I lost friends to COVID who went to the theater and caught it there and then didn't make it. And so it, you know, I wouldn't go to the theater without a mask now, of course. But yeah. but um, that is a problem. Yeah. It's also carrying over to nightclubs. You know, yeah. everybody's just going into nightclubs now, like, woo, my son is a guitar player and, and I have a, and then I have a band that I play sometimes, but not too much right now. But anyway, my bass player, um, had another gig with somebody else a few weeks ago and the musicians are all coming down with stuff because there's so many people in the room 
and they can't wear masks. So, you know, they're singing. So my, um, I, you know, I just talked to my, my son a few minutes ago and he's got a terrible cold. He had gigs all month. So, you know. And the life of the musicians go, 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 go. So like, you know, you, you need to catch your rest. You need to figure out some way to catch your rest in there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if the germs keep multiplying, you yeah. know, even everything's going to have to be done, zoomed in or whatever. Some, some, it'll be a, maybe another format, but you know, whatever. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Well, we could see theater return to the theaters. You know, well, it has, I mean, Broadway's back up, you yeah. know, and, um, the theater here is in LA is back up. Uh, not as much as it was. Yeah. Some of the bigger theaters have shut down permanently, which is sad. I do think it, I do think you're right. I think that theater will have its comeback. Yeah. I think people do need to see people in live. I think it's possible for it to go back to the, to like a, a Cineplex. Like like that movie they got coming, you know what I mean? I know that like uh, con- you know concert films are big again. Taylor Swift just broke records with her her film, right? You know what I mean? So I you know and the, the theater is kind of in a weird place. You know, movie theaters are in a weird place right now. Anyways, they're trying to like pull any trick out of their hat that they can. So like it'd be kind of, it'd be interesting to see if there was more of them, you know. Well, well, I think what we should do is 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 um it'd be uh, cool to start doing more probably um outside theater. I think that should probably be uh, what some people. I mean, of course, you have to worry about the weather and all that. I mean, I mean, there's there's no you know way of doing anything without some kind of hurdles you have to jump over. But yeah. uh, Especially if, you know, as, as a way of trying to keep the live theater um, experience going, because I think that one of the biggest problems with COVID was it kind of made us all, you know, kind of complacent with, you know, not dealing with people, not having one-on-one interactions. And I think we really need to bring that back. So probably one of the things is maybe start trying to, Make some more like outside amphitheaters, you know. Maybe that that's the way to go. We have the Hollywood Bowl here, mm. and it had an amazing season. And and I think it almost every show was sold out. So you know, it's not like it, you're right. Actually, it's it the amphitheater uh, setup is is good, and and I think if you do live theater, they don't do theater at the Hollywood Bowl. They do concerts there. Um, but, um, um, I think that if more people would make amphitheaters, you know, available and productions available, you know, it'd be a great thing. You know, we have these little 99 seat houses here in LA and, um, and it's fun. It's so much fun to go. And then, but, you know, it's a cramped little box, so you can't help but think about it. I, I, uh, I would like to go be doing that going and watching more and actually acting in these more. There's never been a time where I think it's where one can actually 
if you're talented, get your stuff out, you know, and be seen and get discovered. Like if you, to, to write your own thing and put it up, even if you do just do it, film it with an iPhone or whatever, you know, a lot of people are getting discovered just by TikTok, you know? So, yeah. and there's some amazing people out there. There is some amazing talent out there that one would never know about if it wasn't for uh, the new technology. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tried TikTok. I haven't, I haven't had a viral video yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I need to follow you. Cause I don't have any up. I, I think I have like two up or something like that. My, I, I've got to start working on my TikTok too. I understand. Somebody said, you're not doing TikTok. I said, nah, I guess Facebook. Instagram, that's kind of enough. Yeah. And, um, and they said, well, you're really missing out because I, you know, I, I do go into the studio and cut music from time to time. And I did release a Christmas song this year called Merry Christmas on My Own. And um, it got a, a good amount of airplay. And so I was very excited about that. And somebody said, didn't you put it on TikTok? And I went, no, I didn't. And I sort of missed the window, but it, it, it'll, be there next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the way to Woodstock. Yeah. That's my fa- that's my that's my favorite my personal favorite jam. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's kind of a true story. I I write all the music and all the words to most of my songs. I I collaborate occasionally, but um I just, you know, Music is a wonderful outlet for me. And like, say I really want this part and I don't get it. And that happens a lot, by the way, uh, to everybody who's an actor. And, um, uh, you know, I'll just go, damn, well, I'm just going to write a song. And then, you know, it, it sort of feeds my soul and makes me feel like everything's all right. You know, yeah. it happens the way it's supposed to happen. Music you have more control o- over than getting booking a film you know you can just go get in a club or do it online or whatever and put it out there and i i it i feel more in control of the destiny of whatever project i'm trying to work on yeah when did you start creating music at what point in your life (laughs) you know i i remember writing a song in the shower i don't know why i remember it's in my memory when I was in the sixth grade. Yeah. I just remember taking a shower and singing. I, I had a crush on this guy named Mike, you know, and it was really stupid. I like Mike, you know, that kind of thing. And I went, hey, I just did a rhyme with some music. That was like really weird. And and um and I guess I've been writing little ditties along the way, and then it became a real thing in the 80s. Uh, um, I ended up meeting and the love of my life, Delaney Bramlett in 1977. And um, he was a very successful songwriter. And I uh, was acting at the time. He met me through seeing the Hills Have Eyes at a drive-in. And so the next night after he had seen me at the theater, I went to a nightclub in Hollywood and, and met him. And we hooked up and, uh, I would, he was, no one needed to go to school to learn how to write a song with this genius blues songwriter. He, he wrote most of Eric Clapton's songs on Eric, 
uh, Eric's first album. He produced that album and he wrote Superstar and yeah. Never Any Time of Love. And so he would go, you have a word for, I'm, I'm trying to say, and I go, yeah, well, say it this way. You go, yeah, that's good. Okay. And so after um, a while I was doing my own and, and it was, and he helped me and we would write all the time. So it just became something I love to do. Yeah, well, it's funny you bring up Superstar because it has a crossover uh, where Alec- Alexander Aja, who did the reboot of The Hills Have Eyes, and the fir- his first big, really critical, successful film was a film called High Tension. And in the trailer for High Tension, it's the Sonic Youth cover of Superstar, which... You know, that song, a great song. I, all of the, you know, there's been a few covers of it, I believe. And I love that song. It's such a great song. Thank you. I, I didn't write it. I didn't know. But, it, but, but kudos, but. kudos. You know. <laughs> I, love, I love that song too. And it's also in Juno. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was, the Sonic Youth version was in Juno. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that version of it. I love Sonic Youth's version of it too. Yeah, I, I keep trying to find it. I don't know what album it's on. The, the, you know, it, it's, it's lurking there somewhere. It might be a single. I don't know. I bet you it is. I bet you it is a single. Yeah. Since it's on that Juno was a pretty popular movie. Yeah. They have to it's have probably song. on the soundtrack, I would assume. Yeah, okay. probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? Being a part of Happy Days, what do you think of that Weezer Buddy Holly video? Is that, that one of the best videos ever made? The music video? Which one? I'm oh, sorry. Uh, Weezer? Weezer? I don't think I saw it. Oh, they're a band from the nineties. They did a they they um they're like um newer age California almost surf rock. And um they had a big hit called Buddy Holly. Ooh we ooh, we look just like Buddy Holly. Right, I'm not gonna embarrass myself. But um, <laughs> their their whole video, it's like that they're like this weird a band that performs like on Happy Days, so to speak. So like they're playing at like the Hangout, and then all the characters are in it. I for my from for my there's certain music videos I remember seeing as a kid that I just love forever, and that's one of them. But that was a real deep dive. My apology. <laughs> I think yeah, I think I missed that, but I'll, I'll look for it's it. Good. It's a good one. Yeah, I love those people on, on Happy Days. It's uh, the all. I ended up being show. friends with. Uh, I, I'm really good friends with Gary Marshall's. I was friends with Penny Marshall and Gary, and uh, more so their other sister, who wasn't famous, but a producer named uh, Ronnie Marshall Hallen. And I'm um, and um, it's just a great family, a very talented family. I ended up last night watching a rerun of Laverne and Shirley because wow. I, I was waiting for a phone call and I didn't want to get into anything that was too intense. And so I was watching Laverne and Shirley and I was stunned at how well it holds up. You know, that, that, okay. that show really holds up. And, and uh, Penny and, and Cindy Williams were both much more talented than I remember them to be. Yeah. They really could Penny Penny's expressions, the way she could land that joke. It was well cast, you yeah. know. I used to be a little sad I wasn't on it, but you know, I, I didn't do I missed that one, but uh, but they did a great job. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, how do you Three's Company? Three's Company. Big fan, big fan. I know you had some some time on the Three's Company deal. Um, you know, there was three pilots made. You were in one of the three pilots. You know what I mean? Right. But the real question is like John Ritta. My goodness, what was what was John? Me and my my friend over here is a little quiet, but we're both gigantic John Ritter fans and. My goodness, the physical comedy of John Ritter is incredible, and just like I think with our with our generation, he was like uh, a problem child was you, you know, what I mean? just so many great. You stay tuned, but well, how is John Ritter? He's is of course he's probably as great as we assume him to be, right? Well, um, I didn't get to know him too well on the set because yeah. I replaced another girl. Yeah, and I only had like four days to learn the whole part. So there was not a lot of chit-chatting going on on the set. I, I was cramming lines and learning walking. And uh, and it was done. We did that pilot in front of a live audience. I had just gotten back from the desert, from the Hills of Eyes. And I was at the grocery store. And my agent called me. We didn't have cell phones then. And the over the loudspeaker, Susan Lanier, please come to the office. And my agent said, get over to ABC they're replacing a girl on a pilot named called Three's Company. You're going to test for it. And so I ran over there and I had like, I said, I have sand in my hair. You know, I'm, I look awful. They said they they took, gave me a shower, washed my hair, put on my makeup, put on clothes, whatever. And I tested. Then they had to fly it in a private airplane to New York for Freddie Silverman to see it. You couldn't zap it through the internet. Yeah. And, um, and then I got the phone call the next morning that I had been cast. So I had lost a lot of rehearsal time. And uh, so I didn't get to know him too well. What is ironic is that his wife at the time, who did come to this set, um, Nancy Morgan Ritter, um, Nancy and I are still friends to this day. I'm friends with all of his children. Yes. and um, And I just talked to Nancy like, three days ago. So, you know, I love the family and, and I had a lot of respect for John. He was not how I was much more known than John. When we did three's company, he had done a couple of things, but he didn't have a lot of notoriety. And I was off welcome back Cotter. And so there were, the audience knew who I was. And so, um, uh, there was a little friction about that. You know, there was a little discomfort about that. Um, and that might have had something to do with why I didn't keep, keep on with the show. And, and, uh, because they cat, they fired a girl that was already in rehearsal. My agent asked for a, a, maybe too much money. So, you know, it's Hollywood. These, you'll, you'll hear these stories all the time. Yeah. And my story is not unique. Right. Well, we still love it. Said, oh yeah, I still love it. Oh, I love the you know <laughs> the, the bad parts. Just yeah. so, as the good part. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So you so you ran over from the set of The Hills Have Eyes. Now we I had just finished shooting a um a retake at the in The Hills Have Eyes in the desert. Yeah. We shot at Victorville, California, and um so I hadn't been home in a while, and so um yeah I still had 
sand in my hair when I was at the grocery store trying to pick up some groceries before I go home. And then it was like, eh, no, drop your, I'd leave the bag, the, you know, the basket of groceries and yeah. go to ABC. Mm-hmm. No, that movie is incredible. It's an incredible masterpiece of a horror film. You know, the young Wes Craven, that in the, his previous film before that last house and the left, both of those movies are like, the height of psychological horror. You know, you watch them and you're just like horrified. Um, love them. You know, I think they do still hold up. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, I think the Hills have, have eyes does at any rate. Um, and I'm biased, I'm sure, but I, I, um, uh, me and my husband at the time, we, he's now passed away, but we went to the premiere of the re- remake and I'm still friends with Peter Locke who produced it. Peter Locke had a birthday party this a few months ago and yeah. uh, I was there and, and we had a, such a wonderful visit. Um, but, um, I didn't feel that the remake was as, uh, raw and honest as the original, but yeah. I'm biased. I agree. <laughs> I like the original more. I, I don't hate on the. The the reboot's pretty good, I think, for as far as reboots we were getting at the time, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, the original all day long, for sure. Now, coming into that, um, do, you, do you remember meeting Wes for the first time? Did he have, like, did he get have buzz from Last House, or was it still kind of like, you know, pretty much, you know, just Wes? You know what I mean? If he was shy yeah, and, and sort of intimidated by the fact that that I was kind of known at the time um, um, are doing a lot of work at the time that, and the casting director had uh, pitched me Carol prop uh, and Gus Shermer. And um, so it was never really an audition. It was more like a meeting and a little bit of improv, I guess with Wes. And I pretty much was offered the role there. Um, he was very shy and, uh, quiet and, and, but knew what he wanted. And one of my favorite directors ever. He was so wonderful to work with. I never heard him raise his voice. I've worked with directors that are really frightening, um, because they'll scream on the set and whatever. Wes was always a gentleman. He was so sweet. And yet got exactly what he wanted. People wanted to work hard for Wes. And our conditions were not exactly fabulous. It it wasn't first class by any means. I mean, we had these primitive trailers out in the desert and all they had out there were like Motel 6 or whatever, maybe La Quinta or something, you know? And, and, um, so it, it was, um, but it was so much fun. I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. And it gets really cold in the desert. People don't think it does because it's so hot during the day. But once the sun goes down, it gets pretty chilly out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's cold in L.A. right now. But yeah. and, and people don't think of L.A. as being cold. But, you know, I'm, it's pretty cold. Um, uh, yeah, the desert was freezing. And, and then in the daytime, it was hot. Whatever month, I can't remember the months we shot it now, maybe it might have been February, March, somewhere in there, but it it wasn't horrible, horrible, you know. It, it, but it was 
it was, you know, and, and the desert's not too hot in, in certain months. Yeah. Not in Victorville. Yeah. I know you became very friendly with uh, Michael Berryman. Of course, you guys yeah. are very close to the movie. Very intense scenes with you guys in the movie, of course. That brings people together, I think, closer when the two performers have to get kind of in the nitty gritty like that. You know what I mean? Yes, I love Michael Berryman. I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while, and I miss him. I I needed to call him and check up on him. He he's moved a couple of times. He was living right around the corner from me, and we saw each other. All, for the holidays, we'd hang out at for the holidays and everything. And um then he moved to Florida and that got too hot. And I think he might be in Michigan. I'm not sure. He may be near you. Yeah. And out you know, you're in Massachusetts, but Michigan. And um I think he moved to Michigan, but I have to check. Yeah. But he is he, he I don't see him like we did when he was my neighbor. D Wallace is my neighbor. And I talked to Janice um, today. So hell yeah, the, the the movie is so like it goes to some the the heights of like the heights of like intensity and, and like insanity in certain moments. It's like because Wes went to school, I think, to be like a psychology teacher or something like that. So like he knew, like he tapped right into that your loved one getting hurt type deal heavily. Um, and, and did you have any reservations or anything when you first read the script? It's, and it's fun that he's, I've always heard he's a shy guy and these crazy things come from his mind. But did you have any reservations when you read the script? You know, back then, I hate to admit this. Yeah. Then you get a script and you go, where's Brenda? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you might overlook a few things like right. some of the action that they have written down. Uh, I certainly did that back then. Now I pay a lot more attention yeah. to the action of the film. But, um, uh, you know, doing the dad, you know, burning the dad up was yeah. a little disturbing. Um, and then, uh, but it really, this movie really did allow me to be kind of funny yeah. and very dramatic. Let all, let it all hang out in terms of the emotional range Brenda could be, you know. And so I just treasured the opportunity to be able to do my craft, you know. Yeah. Uh, I had studied in New York and I had, I finally had a vehicle that I, nobody knew it would be successful. I mean, we, I just thought it was going to be some, you know, it'd be put in the can and that'd be it, you know. Yeah. But, then it turned out to be what it ended up being and, and was life changing for me because I met my husband through it. You know, it was really life changing, not just another movie. I've done a lot of movies and it wasn't just another movie I did. You know, it was a life changing movie. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, I, I always I'm a I like aliens and stuff too. So Area Fifty One, I was a fan of as well. Good flick, good flick. You know, with Oren, uh, director, he's a man, a new age master of horror in his own right. Would say over here, the the creator, right. parent, yeah, Paranormal Activity films. You know what I mean? The, the you know that uh, was a that was a very strange audition. Um, <laughs> yeah. Called me in and. And he was behind the computer screen. So I couldn't, he had the computer 
here and he was sunk down in the chair. So I couldn't see his face. And there was a casting director and somebody else in the room. And I thought it was just going to be a meeting. And I didn't know it. I'd not seen paranormal activity. I didn't know anything about it. And then he, I heard this little voice behind the computer. He never showed his face. And he said, um, uh, okay, your daughter's been kidnapped by aliens. And you're trying to find her action. And I, I went, whoa, okay. <laughs> All right, this is a challenge. And I laid it on, you know, I mean, I laid on the drama. Yeah. And then he said, okay, wait. And then then the casting director said, and then he, he whispered behind the computer to the casting director. She said, okay, wait right here. And then he, then he brought in my daughter and had us do it together. And um, that was another one, I think. I think I got it right there. You know, I think he, he just said, okay, you'll go to Utah, but we got it in Utah, Salt Lake city. And, um, uh, it was so strange. He's such a nice guy, but very private. Yeah. And when we were in the hotel, he wouldn't let any actors be near anybody else's room. So we were taken to the set privately. We couldn't ride with other actors. We couldn't talk to other, we were not allowed to talk to other actors, even my daughter. I mean, we weren't allowed to commingle at all. And, and it, and I don't know what his reasoning for that was, but it was the, it was very unusual for me. I, I hadn't worked that way before. Um, I know he moved. Um, maybe he did so well with everything else. He decided to leave the country. I think he was, went to New Zealand or something, but he may be back. So he likes the, distance. He likes distance. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He, he's a very artistic guy. I really like him a lot. I, I like him too. I wonder what his method was for that because as a director, you know, myself, you know, yourself too, you know, it's like you'd want the cast to kind of have a build a relationship so it'd be more believable in front of the camera. You know what I mean? We weren't even allowed to speak with each other. Man. It was the strangest thing. Yeah. I mean, we, after I was finished, um, I think I became fra- Facebook friends with Jennifer, but, um, uh, the daughter, but I don't know anybody from that set except Oren. That he's the only one. Well, like I said, your director is as well. You know, watch what you ask for. You know, what would you? How did you like getting into the director's chair? First time director on that, right? Him? You? You were director on that, right? No, I you, didn't. On I watch, didn't. watch what you ask for. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I directed. Yeah, that- that was your, yeah. yeah I, I love, I love directing. I yeah. love, I would, if I could just stop everything and just direct, I would. Yeah. It is fun. I love directing. And I'm also, I, um, for many years between acting jobs or whatever, you know, you don't act all the time. People might think you go from show to show to show. Well, you do that when you're young, when you're older, it, the roles, particularly being a woman, the roles are fewer and further apart. And I became a photographer, which I'd always had a passion for. And I became a fashion photographer as well. So 
I shot for Neiman Marcus. I shot in Paris, New York, London models. So I know light and I, I composition, you know, you have to know all these things just to be a still photographer. And that carries over into cinematic photography. Actually, it's harder than a film camera, but, um, um, I think that's, I just, I think I have an eye for how the scene, how to put the scene together. I haven't had an opportunity or I haven't created the opportunity, um, to do real legit, you know, uh, full length things. I would love to do a full length movie. Is that on the right? Is that you like, you want to move forward to that? Like, uh, you got anything writing? You writing anything or what do you think? I'm writing. I'm, yes. I'm writing. I know I won't be able to direct it because I'm in, uh, it's being, uh, made uh, decisions are being made about the project I'm writing by very high powered people in LA. And if it goes, they would never let me direct it. You know, I'm not experienced enough. So I'm sure that I, I, I do know of a director that won an award recently that is interested in it. So, um, uh, we'll see what happens with that. I have to finish it. I'm a procrastinator. That is my. <laughs> downfall i'm with you yeah, yeah that's I, what I, I think <laughs> i think creative types are a bit of a, 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 a have a kind of the procrastinating uh gene in in us all yeah. it, it's it's a definite character flaw and and i have to um i really have to talk to myself and and uh try to break that and and a lot of writers, I, I've talked to many writer friends, and they do have to force themselves to sit down and write. Yeah. You know, yeah. Talk about solitary, you know. Yeah. It's- actually, actually, it's funny. I I started uh, writing a, a a book recently. Actually, I started at the beginning of this year because I have, like, so many stories I've started but never finished. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made a, a new year resolution that I was going to finally create, you know, a, a book by the end of the year. So every every day I write write a little bit more and more and we'll we'll see if it works out. I don't know. I mean this this is a uh this is an experiment to see if I can actually finally finish one writing project. All these successful writers I know, I don't know if this might help you, they get up around four or five. And that, that's when they start. Uh, I was very good friends with, uh, the Academy Award winning writer Edward Anhalt, who wrote the screenplay, won the Academy Award for Beckett and Panic in the Streets. And, um, his whole thing was to get up very early, like, and all my writer friends that are successful, they start around five and they stop around noon or one. They stop around one. And then they go have cocktails and lunch and then go play tennis and then have dinner or go to a Hollywood party. And then they get back up at five and write. So that the day that you're not going to really be interrupted that much is spent doing that. I'm a night crawler. I'm a nightclub girl. I hate getting up early, but um so I think that's... Uh, it doesn't help me my writing because I do like to get up late. 
Yeah. Yeah. Of course. yeah. Unfortunately, in my case, uh, I got uh, a regular nine to five job. So I wake up at five and I work till three thirty, and then my writing's from and like four till like you know six. <laughs> so that's what I I try to do. But that's great. I mean, that's great. It doesn't really matter when you do it, as long as you do it. Yeah. 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 I just had a knee surgery. And I just got back from the gym because I'm doing PT to try to get it back in shape. Um, it was just seven weeks ago or something. And so I, uh, had it, it was from an old, it, literally an old skiing injury, but, and I kept putting off having work done on it for years. And then I finally had to bite the bullet. And, um, and I thought, oh, good. I'll be able to recuperate in bed with this knee and, you know, I'll be, I'll finish my book. I'll finish the script, you know. Did I do that? No. <laughs> I, you know, I go, oh, no, no. You know, <laughs> and the knee was killing me. And, and, and then, you know, at first you take, you know, your, your pain medication and then, you know, so, uh, uh, so I did not write a word during my recuperation. So I'm kind of back on track now. I just swam this morning. So you got, you got to schedule it in too. It's like, people don't like to do it, but you you have to work it into the schedule. Can't just like, Oh, well, I guess when it, it hits me to do it, cause it's never going to hit you. You just got to kind of sit yeah. down. And if you stare at a blank screen for 45 minutes before you start typing or whatever, that's just the way it's got to be, but you got absolutely right. Yeah. I, the other thing that helps is I'm in a writing group, yeah. and if you if you have a little group, even if it's just friends, and whether they can write well or not, it if you you have to you have to be accountable, yeah. and you know, they pressure you to produce if you're in this group, and and I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, Susan, this was fantastic. We we usually close out with one last question. And that question is, you know, we get a lot of filmmakers, musicians, writers, you know, stand-ups, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, creatives. We have creatives that listen. Um, and we like to get a little advice, you know, like if for people out there that find themselves in a slump or Things just don't feel to be looking good. Do you have any words of wisdom or advice for those people to kind of keep their morale up and keep going? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it's, I think you're blessed if you discover what you want to do and what you're passionate about. A lot of people go through life and they never discover their passion. So if you have that passion, you're very lucky to begin with. That's the first step. And then the second step is you have to work your ass off. You have to work, work, work. Acting is hard. It is not easy. Music is hard. It's not easy. Writing, directing, whatever you're doing, none of it's easy. It's made to look easy. So you're so blessed if you recognize your passion and you really want it a lot. You want it enough to be able to motivate yourself to put the work in on it because it's work. Yeah. And dreams do come true. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Very inspirational. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Good. 
Susan, this was a lot of fun. We thank you very much. We'd love to have you back on again sometime. Definitely. You know, I know you're staying active and you do so many cool things, you know, when he doesn't, you know, we're always here. Like, come on, come on down. You know, I'd everybody. like to come back. I love Hell it. Yeah. Hell yeah. A lot of fun. Got a indie movie. Let me know. Give me a call. Heck yeah. <laughs> we're all about it. Hell yeah. I love Massachusetts. <laughs> we love you back. Even, even the cold? Yeah. Really even the cold. cold. Uh, I, I, I miss New York. I do. Not the 18 degrees. I was going to say the weather. Yeah. Yeah, not the 18 degrees, but I do look, miss New York. Sometimes I think about going back. I'm kind of looking at trying to get a place where I can live both places. So I love California. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, That it's the jumping back and forth would be the ideal thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I That's all I want to do is just go back and forth. I don't care about going anywhere else, you know, just yeah. New York, L.A. That's, you know. all, that's all you need. Yeah. Just this, the this, 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 this sides, but you got the whole in, inside of America. It's beautiful. It is. But it's the yeah. hubs. Yeah, those are the hubs. You know. Yeah. All the good stuff happens there. Well, I, I hope to see you again. And thank you so much for having me on. Uh, fans, friends can find me on Facebook. Yes. Uh, Susan Lanier or Susan Lanier Bramlett, either one. They both work. They're connected. I do music, you know, for the music. I do the other one. Uh, anyway, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, though I'm not active. I'll get more active. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody go out there and check out Susan's stuff and support her. And, yeah. Some know, tips on iTunes, too, you know. Join the acting class as well. There's no better. Yeah. Yeah. DM me if you are interested in hearing more about the acting class. I'll tell you all about it. You know, nothing's more valuable than experience. You know what I mean? And you you got it here and you have an opportunity, you know, you know, get in there and learn firsthand, you know, and acting, it's a creative art form. So there's, you know, there's so many different approaches and takes on it. It's good to kind of consume everything you can, you know what I mean? I even tell my own students, study with everybody, you know, and if that person's not for you, move on. Because the more knowledge you have, the the better you get. You know, I still work with a voice coach. So I'm looking into a class this weekend. So I don't just teach. I study, too, at my age. <laughs> so, you never stop learning, you know. It's, right? it's, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. All right, Susan. Thank you very much. Peace, baby. Rock on. Have a good night over there. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, that was the great Susan Lanier. And it was an absolute pleasure to have her on the show. You know, Brenda from The Hills Have Eyes, as far back as I can remember, you know, The Hills Have Eyes has always been right up there with one of my favorite horror films. Wes Craven is just like a king amongst men. Rest in peace. Um, Those first three films of Wes Craven, you got Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know if there's ever been three consecutive films like that released of devastation 
You know what I mean? It's people like to say with West, they'll go, Oh yeah. You know, to, you know, I guess around the 30th year that he was killing it, he started to lose it. You know what I mean? It's like, my God, don't be so hard on the dude. He recreated horror literally multiple times. And those first three films show me another filmmaker with consistency right there that have three banger rangers consecutive like that for sure. Rest in peace, Wes. Uh, Insomniac, dedicated to Wes Craven. It's a beautiful thing, written and directed by myself. Alexander Hart co-starred in that thing. It was a beautiful thing. You know, I remember I was in Aliens with Jertai and D-Mall. And I got a text on my phone. And I looked at that text, and it said, it was a maggot sent it to me. He said, Wes Craven passed away. And I looked up, and as my brain comprehended, I'm getting emotional. As my brain comprehended what I just read on the phone, the dude next to me yells at me for looking at my cell phone before a movie starts. Out of control. But that's what you get at the Brattle Theater, and I think it's Cambridge. No. <laughs> the, where are they? They're not. They're Somerville, I think. We'll see. I can't blame the I can't blame the theater for some of their patrons. <laughs> and uh, join our Patreon at Boombastic Streaming for sure. But um having Susan on the show was great, you know. It's cool, you know, the three's company ties, of course. We get you know we love television just as much as we love movies, you know what I mean? Happy days yours and mine, you know what I mean? Hey, hey. I didn't want to break 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 the stride, but I, I did. I, I had the opportunity to. Uh, I worked with Henry Winkler myself. Um, I can attest, Henry Winkler is a very cool man, um, very nice dude. Me and my brother did background. <laughs> I'm getting emotional again because uh, you know whenever we talk about the Fonz, but me and my brother is really hard on me, Alex. <clears throat> Clear my fucking throat, my God. This is hard shit. I didn't know it was going to be this difficult, man. I promised I wouldn't do this. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, we did Here Comes the Boom. We stole the show from Kevin James. He was crying in his trailer because we were so fucking handsome. And he was like, dog shit. And he was like, so disappointed. But we talked to the Fonz. And the Fonz was one of the coolest people ever of all time. Um my brother and him chopped it up for like 15 minutes and I was so jealous. It might be the only time in my life I was ever jealous of the Bohemian. I said, mm-hmm. that motherfucker and the Fonz are like best friends right now. What the fuck is going on? And then Kevin James pulled me aside and said, Matt, you're too fucking handsome. I'm moving you to the back. <laughs> True story. True story. And he moved me to the back. But forget about Kevin James and here comes the boo. Susan Lanier was just on the Boombasta cast and hope she'll be back on again. I think we'll have her back on again. It was a lot of fun. What do you think before we wrap it up, Bubba? I had a lot of fun. It was great talking to her about theater, about acting in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's great talking to people uh, that have been in the industry that have, you know, been in things that we appreciate and also getting pointers on the craft itself. And she's right, especially us creatives. The way we create is we bounce off other people. So, I mean, 
if you have a creative impulse, whether it's singing, whether it's acting, whether it's painting, you know, find friends with like minds. I mean, you know, bring them together, have them help you with uh, your watercolors or um, pastels or whatever you, you do. I mean, it's the fact is, I think, especially with, you know, the everyone pushing the whole AI thing that I really think that the creative, creative, um, you know, passion needs to be, you know, stoked more because uh, you're not going to get a, a, a creative piece of art from a computer generated program. You'll, you'll get something that might, looks look okay but it's not going to have any heart it's not going to give you any real feeling i mean you're not going to get hills have eyes um unless you got west crater and and you're gonna get like the hills have eyes part two dude if you go act like that (laughs) but yeah i mean uh, it was great talking to her and i can't wait to have her back on the show out of respect to my boy Wes Craven, I can't bring up the Hills of Eyes part two. But that first one is fucking an incredible horror movie. Amazing. Part two is a little weird. Um, I'd love to know the story of why it's weird. Maybe it's he didn't fucking... Maybe so he didn't want to direct it. I don't know what the story was. But forget about all that stuff. We'll have Wes on in the afterlife. We'll have him on to do. We'll bring in the Ouija board. That's very disrespectful. I'm ashamed of what I said. You made it even worse. All right. So, unfortunately, <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, the the multi talented, the wonderful, the beautiful Susan Lanier. Thanks mm-hmm. again for being on the Boombastic Cast. We hope you all out there enjoyed this episode. Hit us on the freebie stuff, which we know you love. We know you love them freebie episodes. Catch them on the tube for free. You like that, right? Yeah, you fucking like that, don't you? You don't want to take a little walk over to the Patreon world, huh? Take a little walk down Patreon Ave. Look for that boombastic streaming. Get yourself done up nicely. Change your life for the better. You know what I mean? Hit that Patreon. Let us know you care. And if you're going to keep popping in for free, at least hit that subscribe button on the YouTube page. Leave a comment. Give us a like. <laughs> Make us be happy. You know what I mean? Happiness is key. Happiness is key. And that'll be it, I think, right? You got anything to say in closing? You wrapped up too, Bubby? I'm all set. I think I said pretty much everything that uh, needs to be said. I mean, it was a great interview, and uh, she's a great person with a lot of of insight. Indeed. Uh, Mucho gracias. You need that Mikey Bone Road shirt uh, sponsor. Everybody go check out Mikey Bone Road art. Dude's devastating. Uh, his hills have eyes. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Boombastic Cast. Peace. 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 Peace.